0: to you. Glad that you're here. Welcome to Element City Church. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to say hi at the beginning, uh, I want that phrase to kind of linger in your heart a little bit because uh, how many of you have ever lost something? Raise your hand real high. Look among you. You're, you're among friends. We are very forgetful people, apparently, in this room. Um, we, we have lost things before, and, and we tend to go into this search mode, don't we? I mean, I've been there. I've, I've hung up the posters for a missing dog that's run away. Anyone with me? You've done that? I've, I've been there where I've just lost certain things. In fact, on you version there, I've got a little poll for you to take of uh, just maybe the most common thing that you lose. Anyone lose your wallet quite often? Be honest. You, we're not going to judge you here. How about your car keys? Yeah. Yeah. Glasses. Or maybe you've lost computer files. You've lost different things. Uh, anyone lost children? Don't raise your hand. Um, it's okay. <laughs> Um, That's between you and Jesus, and we can work that out. And and we're we're in your corner. We're helping you. So there's lots of things that we lose. We tend to misplace things all the time. And if you, uh, well, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever walked out of a store, and then you've paused? You've done that weird stare? And then you actually take a couple steps back, and you're like, I think I could see my car better from here. Where did I park? Anyone ever done that? Okay. Maybe a lot of times Phoenix airport's pretty bad for that if you if you've ever fly out of there and, and there's different things and, and you end up going into the search mode instantaneously because you know what you've lost has value to you. And so you're like, well, I lost it. I, I gotta go find it because like it's important to me. And so you do that. And I thought of that as I was watching my kids hunt Easter eggs this morning. It was pretty sweet to see that. And then I thought, you know, maybe kids shouldn't have all the fun so do you want to play a game? <laughs> Underneath a few of your chairs, there's some lucky Starbucks cards for you. So you may want to look. I'm just, just saying. Someone, five of you here, are actually going to get to play a game and win. If you have it, if you found it, raise it up real high. We got some winners here. We got some people that are still... <laughs> Mark, you got a, is that a Tootsie Roll? You got a Tootsie Roll. That's fantastic. Anyone want to trade a Starbucks card for a Tootsie Roll? I didn't think so, but you got it. Sweet. And you got one over there? Awesome. It should be five of you. And uh, for the rest of you, (laughs) I know there's going to be people that stay afterwards. They'll be like... I know there was a sixth one, I just know it. It's only five bucks, okay, so it's not that big a deal, but you know, it's cool, so congratulations, happy Easter to you. Um, you know, the search mode is a big deal, and sometimes it's simple things like a $5 Starbucks card, and that's cool, and it makes our day, and that's awesome, but sometimes searching for things actually goes to things that are deeper, more significant, doesn't it? Because the truth is, we all search, and there's studies of just how forgetful we are and it's simple things like things we leave on an airplane to more significant things like searching for relationship and connection and security. And don't you know people, raise your hand, don't you know people who spend a lot of their energy trying to find a security or trying to find acceptance or approval? And the truth is, you're on that search as well. So am I. In fact, we, we all kind of go on that search, not just for trivial things and simple things, but for deeper things as well, don't we? And we take that search really serious and we spend a lot of effort and a lot of energy to try to go after pursuing those things in life that will meet some of those internal drives and some of those internal needs that we have. And I know a lot of people that, that spend a lot of energy chasing after a lot of different things, trying to fill that need, and yet they wind up more empty in the end. Because, you know, they they sit there at the coffee shop, maybe with you, like they have with me, and and they say, you know, I I spent the last year of my life pursuing after this person for a relationship or after this thing or this job or this this item, this uh, experience in life, and after I achieved it, I'm actually hollow, and I'm more empty than I was even a year ago. And the truth is, if it was just you and me at Starbucks, hanging out, I bet we could have a conversation where we could be real with one another and say, I I bet you've been on a journey similar where some of those searchings didn't really wind up finding what you were really looking for because I've been there. And the truth is that's part of life. There's one guy back in the third and fourth century, maybe you've heard of him, Augustine, wrote uh, the book Confessions. and This is a guy that pursued a lot of different things in life one of the early church fathers, but that he didn't start off that way. Uh, and he, he went on a lot of pursuits toward passion and relationships and knowledge and all these things. And he, he wrote this statement that has lingered for centuries, this notion that God has made us for himself and our hearts are restless until we rest in him. And I don't know where you are, And I I know you're here at Element City Church and maybe someone invited you and and you you took them up in their offer and I'm thrilled that you're here. I know it takes guts to come to a new place and to say, to put yourself out there and be like, okay, I'm gonna let people see that I'm on a spiritual journey. And and if if you're new to that, uh, I hope that you can sense that this is a place where we're trying to design a church for people like you, for people like me who are on a search, that maybe that, that statement that Augustine's talking about there, this restlessness in a heart, that people who are wrestling with that can find a home here. That you don't have to be part of the already convinced to belong here. But there is this pursuit, this search that we all go on. And the truth is tonight, I hope that maybe you can either re-anchor yourself in a way that's refreshing to you, or maybe even for the first time, begin to take a step towards something that I think can really satisfy that search. That not just is something that you cling to and then it's gone and you you miss it, but actually hold on to that actually holds you because there's something very fascinating. We all search and we all find things, but the truth is when you're found, it's actually so much better. And so tonight uh, as we celebrate Easter, I want to look into a story of, uh, of someone who searched that very first Easter a long time ago. In fact, if you're kind of new to the Bible, there's this movement of Jesus that's been building back way back in the first century, that Jesus shows up on the scene, and, and he, the way he's teaching, the way he's talking, and he does these healings, and he does miracles, and he, he's just something very profound about him. You probably read about him. You've probably heard things about him. You sure sure people talk about him, maybe in a negative way, but you've, you know something about him. And this whole movement is, is, has been gaining traction and gaining momentum all the way up to Jesus making his way, after that third year of people following him, into Jerusalem. And what Christians call Palm Sunday, which is what we celebrated last Sunday, the crowds in Jerusalem, two million strong, are just cheering his name. And they're so excited because in their mind, here's what they think is happening. Jesus is going into Jerusalem and he's going to overthrow the Roman rule. See, they've been oppressed underneath this Roman rule and people ruling over them and and they've got to pay these taxes and they've got to, it's just life is kind of grim for them. And they're searching for something. And so they're hoping that Jesus is this political hope. But see, Jesus and his kingdom and the life he calls people to and the life he invites people to is not a political thing. It's actually something so much deeper and better and and greater than even that. And so Jesus makes his way and people are praising his name and there's this one individual. Her name is Mary. And see, what you have to know about Mary's story is, is Mary was in this pursuit of a lot of different things. Some of the stuff we talked about. Some of these searchings for these longings, these deep desires, we all have in humanity. And in the human heart that's just bred into each one of us. And she's pursued this and tried a lot of different things and come about empty. And then somewhere along the way, her her path crosses with this guy, Jesus. And there's something about the way he teaches and the way he talks about life and the way he talks about this life with God, that you can actually have a life with God. And, And people are like, what? Because they, they've grown up in this religious system where it's all about these rules, and you've got to achieve, and you've got to earn, and you've got you to keep the favor of God, and you've got to win the favor of God. And see, when you, you live under that kind of structure, what you realize real fast is probably what you would already jump to conclusion is that uh, you fail. You come up short. Because next to a perfect holy God, I mean, how in the world am I supposed to compete with that? How am I supposed to achieve perfection? Anyone here ever struggle with that? There's, there's just no way, if we were just honest, we'd say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm broken. <laughs> I miss the mark sometimes. And so Mary in her story is, intersects this path with Jesus. And all of a sudden she finds this acceptance and this approval and this welcomeness into this relationship with this Jesus guy that begins to change everything for her. In fact, life begins to make sense for her. For the very first time, she's finding something and being found by someone that she's never experienced in life. And see, that week didn't didn't keep with all the cheers and all the excitement and all the people praising Jesus because something went terribly wrong. In the mind of all of those who are followers of Jesus, in the mind of everyone who was kind of trumped up and say, we're going to overthrow Rome, something happened that week. That's what we celebrate, Easter. And it's, it's kind of this weird celebration, because it's not like a celebration at the end of a basketball game where you, you win, and you're like, it's awesome, and, and you keep going up. It's this idea of the story of Easter, is the story that was going up, and then all of a sudden just falls off a cliff. And it doesn't make any sense because this Jesus guy that people are praising and singing uh, songs about him and saying, this is our Messiah. All of a sudden, three, four days later, all the cheering's gone. And all the applause has stopped. And the crowds have kind of dispersed. And there's new crowds that are gathering around. And there's new phrases people are saying. And he's going before this mock trial and he's, he's being accused of things that he never did And there's false accusations. And pretty soon the rulers who are in charge are yelling simple words like crucify him. Can you imagine Mary? She's been on the search and finally found not this thing, not this philosophy, but this person who she's banked her whole entire life on. Reoriented everything around her, around him, and how he's meeting her needs, and life is beginning to make sense. And all of a sudden, this relationship with God thing begins to to become a little more clear. And then all of a sudden, this, this cry of crucify him. And pretty soon, she's seeing Jesus hanging on a cross and breathing his last breath. And they take him down from that cross and they put him in this tomb and they seal it up. And what was last Sunday turns into that, what we call as Christians, Good Friday, which really, good, it's good in a way, in a spiritual sense, but if you just look at it from a humanity sense, he's killed. How can that be good? And then Saturday, this silence, and there's nothing, this movement that's been building this momentum is just all deflated, it seems like. So it's Sunday morning, and and Mary's going for a walk, and she's walking to the one place where everything she's ever found to be true used to be, and so she's walking to where they laid this body of Jesus, and can we just pick up the story, and you read along with me as she's on this search, and so in John chapter 20 is where I'm reading from. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to follow along. It's on your phone, Version, if you want to follow there. If not, it'll be on the screen. But in John chapter 20, here's the story. So it's, it's a quiet Sunday morning. The crowds have dispersed. All the momentum is just, all the air out of the balloon of this Jesus movement is just gone. And she doesn't know what to do. So she's really just going back to this tomb to maybe try to figure out how to go forward. In life, and here's what happens: early in the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. See, we know the end of the story, but she doesn't, because the story is unfolding in the moment she's in, and so she's walking up, and all of a sudden, the stone that was rolled in front of this tomb is gone, and she looks in, and the body is gone, and her first thought is, they've stolen the body of the only person who ever made life make sense to me, and he's gone. So verse two, removed the entrance, so she came running to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, those other close followers and friends of Jesus, and to John, the one Jesus loved, and he said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. And so this begins another pursuit as James and John run back, to this tomb, and they look in, and and you can read the rest of those words there, and there's just this, this hollowness that seems to hang over this moment, as in her mind, they've just stolen the body. I mean, okay, you already killed him. Why are you taking this body? It's just, I just wanted to come and maybe try to get some sense of how I'm supposed to move forward, and now I can't even seem to get that. And so she's back there. Uh, Peter and and John are there. They leave the scene. There's interesting things going on. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They still do not understand the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Verse 10, the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary, notice what Mary does. Mary's just hanging around because she's on a search. She's just searching. I just... I need some closure. I need to know what the next step is. I just, I need to know. The one thing I found is now gone. So the disciples went back. Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot, and they asked her this question. Woman, why are you crying? See, they know the end of the story. Why are you crying? And she's like, Listen to her words. You can just hear the agony in her voice. They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've even put him. The one thing I've found in life is gone again, even worse than watching him die. I can't even find him. How do I find what I'm looking for? At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was him you ever notice those times where you're you're looking and you hear someone and you kind of look over in their direction, but you don't really look at them? And so you're kind of looking out of your peripheral and you're just so distraught and so caught up in this moment. And that's really what's happening. And all of a sudden, this figure who she doesn't realize is Jesus begins having a conversation with her woman. He said, why are you crying? It's interesting. Why are you crying twice? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Now, how is she going to move his giant dead body? She doesn't she figure this out yet. It's just the only thing she's looking for is the thing that she found, and then it was taken away. It was lost, and she's misplaced, and then she's just trying to find some kind of closure. Just If you know where he is, would you just tell me? And then I love this next verse, verse 16. It's a great verse of hope. Jesus, because he's Jesus, she doesn't realize it yet, just says her name, Mary, Mary. And in that moment, her full attention goes over to this gardener and she realizes, okay, this isn't a gardener, this is the person that I found, and that was taken from me, and this is the person that I'm looking for. This is Jesus." And she yells out, "Teacher" in Arabic." it's this teacher, and she runs and she clasps onto him, and, and there's this beautiful moment. See, when you hear your name, everything changes, doesn't it? You know that from growing up, sometimes in a negative way, right? <laughs> It's when you hear your name, and even your middle name, then you know it's really going bad, right? When you hear your name, everything changes. But here's the other truth, in a positive way. When you hear your name, everything changes. It's like being, it's not really a name with a DMV, but remember when you finally get your number called? And you're like, that's me, (laughs) I'm the winner. Window 14A and you run up there, or just, you know, you, maybe you've entered a contest and, and they pulled out your ticket and they call your name and everything changes, doesn't it? There's something about your name that just matters. It's important. And Jesus says, look, Mary, you've been searching and I've noticed. Isn't that cool about God? So, we follow this God. What Easter is about is this, this, this God, Jesus, who, who not just died on a cross for my brokenness and my sin and your brokenness and your sin, but a God who actually pays attention to people who search. When you hear your name, everything changes. And it's this pursuit of, of things changing. Don't you find it fascinating that Jesus actually showed up in that moment to someone who was searching, to someone that was pursuing, trying to be found, again, and to find the one thing. And, and the beauty of this is Jesus' first words are a question. There was an interesting um, opportunity that maybe a, uh, a children's worker in a church a few years ago was saying, hey, uh, they're talking about Easter, they're talking about the crucifixion, they're talking about Jesus being in the grave, they're talking about the resurrection, Jesus coming back to life, and then how all of, him, all of history hinges on this moment. And uh, the, the teacher said to the third grade class, you know, who, who knows what Jesus' first words after the resurrection were. And Bethany in the back row just shot her hand up and she jumped up. And she's like, I know, I know, I know. And they're like, well, we'll pick you, Bethany. What did he say? She's like, ta-da! <laughs> and I thought, man, if I was Jesus, that would be so me. I would totally do that. I would be like, hey, YOLO, whatever, I'm back like ta-da here I am but not Jesus he doesn't call attention to himself that's what I would have done I would have made a big scene in a big spectacle I would have rented a dance hall and invited people randomly to some party and be like ta-da but Jesus he's actually in the middle of a garden someone who's searching and he calls her by name now listen doesn't that remind you of something? Remember Genesis and the story of the creation of mankind and how we broke covenant with God and we chose our own way and we chose against what God was and, and humanity, Adam and Eve, what did they do? They went into hiding. Right? Where? In the garden. And they're hiding in the garden and God comes walking in the cool of the day and he's calling out to his people his creation in a garden. And here we have Jesus showing up in a garden calling a person by name. Mary. You don't have to search any. Mary, I'm right here. And I wonder if maybe some of you might be hearing your name. That maybe somewhere in the echo of your heart or your mind, deep within, there, there's just this notion deep within you I uh, just I wish God kind of would fault my name. Because, Jack, you don't understand my life. You don't understand what I've had to go through. You don't understand the obstacles I've had to overcome. You don't understand the, the junk that's been done to me and the hurt and the pain, and I want to say, you, I probably don't. I probably don't. And I'd be lying to tell you I did. Because your story is different from mine. But here's what I do. I follow a God who searches for people, and who knows their name. And that is what Easter is about. And friend, He knows your name, and He is not far off. In fact, He is actually closer than we realize. And He's not yelling to the. He's actually whispering your name, and I believe that I follow a God who still whispers i met a few ones recently and got still in that business and so everything changes for Mary she goes running back to tell the disciples it's fascinating that Jesus reveals himself his very first uh, revelation of himself his person is to a woman that's fascinating in the first century that was unheard of women were not valued in the first century but yet Jesus says no the first person I'm going to reveal myself to is Mary, because Mary is searching. And it's, it's great to search, and it's great to find, but you know what's better? To be found. And Jesus says, I'm the God who finds you so that you can be found, and that you can now live life as a found one. And that creates a whole new foundation of life. And for many of you who are followers of Jesus, what I want you to hear tonight is that you are a found one. Live out of that Majesty, and out of that beauty, and out of that security, you are found by the creator of the universe. And that gives you a new identity to build from. And that's what we're gonna actually spend the next five weeks looking at in Romans chapter eight is this this notion that as a found one, you have a new foundation to build on, a new way of life and a new identity of how to even see and interact with God and interact with his creation and interact and lead in life. Because you are a found one. And maybe you're here and you've never really come into a relationship with God yet. And you've never really kind of said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to actually trust my life to this Jesus guy. I'm just curious and I'm just investigating. And, And that's cool. I'm really glad you're here. And my hope is that somewhere, either tonight or somewhere in these weeks to follow, you will hear your name. Because when you hear your name, everything changes, doesn't it? everything changes she's recognized mary i recognize you she's noticed mary i see you she's found mary i i see you first i pick you and when you're found everything changes everything becomes a a different way of living life I remember, it's maybe why the Gospel of Luke has this one chapter, Luke 15. If you want to read it later, you can. But in Luke 15, Jesus is telling these stories, what he would call parables. And he tells three stories right in a row that Luke records for for us in Luke 15. And it's all about these stories of lost and search and find. And one of my favorite stories as a kid is about this shepherd, and we don't really have shepherds here, but you know, go with me. There's this shepherd, he has 99 sheep, right, that are home in the pen or like in, in their backyard, so to speak, however they corral them, and there's one missing. And this shepherd, Jesus tells the story, he says, look, you wanna know what God's heart's like? Well, I'm gonna tell you a story. And he tells three, and he says, this, this shepherd, he leaves the 99, and he goes on to search for this one that's lost, and when he finds it, he picks it up and he brings it home and then he throws this party because he wants to celebrate with everyone. He says, you want to know what God's like? God's like that. And I heard that story as a kid and I thought that was awesome and it's a great story, but you know, I lived that story one day. I was a youth pastor for a lot of years and took, I think Amy and I talked, we, we kind of counted up, it was over a hundred different trips, whether that's overnights or retreats or week-long camps all the way to a month-long mission trip. So a hundred trips, okay, with people. Here's, here's my, I have never lost a kid. That is so cool to say as a youth pastor because youth pastors are silly at times. And I never lost a kid, in, but I almost lost a kid one time. We were leaving Magic Mountain. We'd been there all day, and we had 200 kids with us, right? And these 200 kids, we loaded up on the bus. It's like midnight, and all of them are there except one girl. And I'm like, oh, no. My streak is ending and this is not good. And so I remember running back up to the front entrance of Magic Mountain, and my heart was pounding through my chest. And I remember just scanning the audience and going back and forth and saying, I have got to find this girl. Everything in me. Now listen, I love the 199 that were in the buses. They're awesome. They're still cool. I like them. But you know what? I didn't give a rip about them right then. I didn't. You know why? Because I knew they were safe. I knew there was people watching over them. I didn't care about them. It's not that I'm evil. I just, they weren't on my radar right then. You know who was on my radar? The one missing. And I remember searching in and out of the stores and and I cared about the other people that were there, but I wanted one. And I knew her name. And I was searching for her. And you know what happened? Is I found her. And And when I locked eyes with her, And I gave her a hug and we walked back to that bus. I was on cloud nine. You know why? Because I found the one that I was looking for. You know what's fascinating? Is Jesus is telling these stories and he says, you wanna know what God's heart's like? It's like that. Is your heart like that? See, what Jesus says is you wanna be a follower of me then your heart has got to beat for the things my heart beats for. And if God's heart's like that, maybe my question to you who have been following Jesus for a long time is, does your heart beat like that? And maybe you haven't been walking with Jesus and you're kind of just investigating him. Then here's my question for you is, did you ever know that God actually searches for you like that, with that kind of passion? See, we're going to move on in our service here. I'm going to close in just a few minutes here. And we're going to take communion tonight. We're actually going to pass that tonight. And so uh, you can be seated here in a moment. And I'm going to have you stand in a moment and stuff, but you'll be able to to take that. We're going to have a couple worship songs at the end so you kind of know where we're going. But here's here's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to end tonight without giving a moment of reflection for you. No matter where you are in that, no matter where you are in this journey, because here's the beauty of Easter is that we follow a God who not only came back to life, but who carried my shame, carried your shame, took your sin, took my sin, took it to the cross, died on your behalf, came back to life to what? Start a search party for people who were missing. And calling them by name, that's the God we serve. And if you're here tonight, I just want to ask you, do you hear him deep within your heart, maybe just sensing that he's calling your name? And if that's you, then I want you to lean into a moment. You know, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus for a long time, then does your heart beat with the things God's heart beats for? And you know it's not things, it's people. Does your heart beat for people? Or has it stopped? Do you need some spiritual CPR? Because some of you might. And maybe he wants to do that tonight. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask Lyle to come up here and just um, strum for us. We'll lead into communion. But I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, I'd be remiss on Easter to say anything. Because here's what Easter is all about. Easter says we celebrate this incredible love. A Jesus who bore my shame, who took my sin, who defeated a grave, and who rose to lead a search party so that I might be found, that you might be found, and that you might live every new day as a found one, on a new foundation with a new identity, as a found one that changes everything, who knows your name? I love, this is, we're reading from the Gospel of John. I love uh, how John starts off his Gospel. Can I just read you this? He's talking about Jesus in the very beginning, right? He says, in the beginning was the word. He's speaking of Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. He was before anything. He goes on and he gets down to verse 11, verse 12 of chapter 1. He says this, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Meaning he showed up in the scene and people missed him. Because you can miss him. Then he says this incredible verse. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, to those who trust in his name, he gives the right to become a child of God. You get drafted onto God's team. You get adopted into God's family. You get handpicked to be on God's kickball team. Why? Because he knows your name and he calls you by name. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. It's just bow your heads with me. And, um, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been following him for a while, then I, I just want you to have a moment to reflect. I don't want Easter to miss you or for you to miss it. I want it to run you over. I want it to create maybe some CPR on your heart. Say, God, does my heart beat for the things that your heart beats for? And if it doesn't, then just own that. Say, God, would you help revive that within me? Take a moment, if you're a follower of Jesus, and just thank him that he knew your name and he called you. And if you're here, maybe you've never come to a place where you've said, okay, I've been doing this religion thing, I've been doing this this pursuit thing, I've been trying to live good, I've been trying to earn my way into a right relationship with God, then I want to say to you, stop, because you can't. But here's the beauty of Easter is Jesus showed up in a garden in the mess where Mary was. He asked a couple of questions and then he called her by name. Is he calling you tonight? Is he calling you, Steve? Come home. Is he calling you? And if he is, then I want to lead you through a real simple prayer. And maybe if you're a follower of Jesus, you can pray along with me if you want. Maybe this is a moment for you just to re-anchor your life to to God. But if you want to pray this for the very first time, to accept Jesus, there's nothing magical about these words. It's just simply aligning your heart to say, I choose you. You knew me. You picked me. I'm, I'm picking you. I'm opening my life to you. So maybe you'd say something like this, Jesus, I want to thank you for searching for me, for knowing my name. And the best I know how, I trust you. I cling my life to you now. Thank you for dying for my sin, for rising again, to be on a search party for me. I receive your love and your grace in my life right now. Friend, if you prayed that for the first time, then I want to be the first person in this world, on this planet, in this hemisphere, to welcome you to the family of God. Because here's what I do know. In the scriptures say anyone who calls out to the name of Jesus, who believes in him, he has the right to become a child of God. Welcome home, friend.